Amen, and good morning. How are we doing today? Good to be with you, good to sing with you and praise with you, and thanks to the worship team for all their help. We always have guests with us, but today in particular, I wanted to ask two of them to stand up. That would be JP and Stephanie Jafaros. So good to have them with us. And about a hundred of you already met them this weekend and fed them over and over and over. So thank you for that. The, the girls are downstairs, that, but you'll get to meet them and you'll hear their names later. Right now, let's all stand and greet one another. Then when the lights blink, that means get ready for a great message from God's Word. All right? Let's say hello to each other. Good, good. Well, it is a blessing and an honor to be here with you this morning. Uh, I wanted to, on behalf of my family, Steph, and our daughters, Shaylin and Elise, just thank you all so much uh, for your hospitality throughout this weekend. We've just been blown away uh, by, by all of you, and so we're, we're, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here this weekend. Um, if we had a chance to meet uh, over this weekend, can you just raise your hand for me real quick? Wonderful. Now I know my safe people I can look at during the different parts of the sermon. That's great. No, um... We're very thankful, we're very excited to be able to have this time of worship together and, and this time of diving in God's word. So before we move any further into the message, will you just, uh, will we take a moment um, to pray together um, as we get ready for what God has for each of us? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that this is a day that you've made. Lord, we rejoice and are glad in it. Lord, we thank you that your mercies are new every single morning. And this is one of those mornings you've created. And so, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word that is living and active, God, and that you have plans, uh, both seen and unseen, that we are um, excited to be able to see what you have for us. And, Lord, I pray that as, as I'm up here, God, that I would decrease and that you would increase, that you would speak in a mighty way to each and every one of us, because we know every person in this room is loved by you. Every person in this room is here for a reason. And every person in this room, God, we want to give our lives to you. It's your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So as we mentioned that this week, I've uh, been able to meet a lot of different people. And so uh, the very first event that we had was on Friday morning. I had the opportunity to meet the staff here. Um, and so Pastor Evan had us go in a circle and share um, our favorite movies. And so uh, his was, uh, you've got mail. What about Bob? And oh my gosh, everyone else knows. <laughs> the congregation knows their pastor. I love it. That's so good. While you were sleeping, thank you. Um, and then uh, I know Mary was mentioning, uh, we're talking about Christmas movies, so she said she loved It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, which I think um, someone just watched for the very first time. Yes, that's right. Um, Susie, was that Susie? Yeah. Awesome. Sorry, Susie, it was you. Um, and uh, I remember my wife was sharing his Father of the Bride 1, Father of the Bride 2. Um, and then uh, I said Inception, I think, but there's, there's plenty of others. And then Pastor Dan shared that. He said, I've never said this is kind of my favorite movies before, but he loved the ocean movies, like, like um, Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13. We, we've seen those movies before. So very, uh, very exciting, like heist movies where there's this huge plan that has come together. And it's amazing how there's so many of those movies that I love and that I enjoy too. And so many of them, like the whole plan is to steal something, which is like super illegal, but we like love like following them, like go get them, breaking the law. Um, but it's, but it's, they're such fun movies. And, and in that movie, there's a part um, kind of near the end where um, Danny Ocean played by George Clooney, you kind of, it seems like he's kind of put away in a room and it seems like the plan isn't quite working the way that he was hoping to. Um, and then however, you kind of come to the end, you kind of see how the unseen plan came together in a way that, that he 
that we didn't know as the, as the audience, but that he knew and he had planned all together. Now, uh, is anyone familiar with the, uh, with the A-Team, either the movie or the TV shows? Okay, so the A-Team, um, I'll be honest, I've seen the TV shows, not so much, uh, sorry, I've seen the movie, not so much the TV shows, but um, I know that there's a character that, that leads them, John Hannibal Smith, right? And he has this phrase that he would say, and he says, I love it when a plan comes together, right? So he puts it all together, and then it happens, you know, just the way that he wants. He says, I love it when a plan comes together. Now, there's times where we just get to have a moment where sometimes in our lives we see how sometimes God's plan just comes together. Let me share a little bit about me and my wife. My wife, Stephanie, um, we've been married since June 25th, 2006. Uh, we'd started dating January 29th, which is tomorrow. So we started dating in 2002, so 16 years ago uh, tomorrow, which is very exciting. Um, and what's great is that when we first met that first night, we had the opportunity. I shared some of the story with some of you before, but uh, that very first night, we kind of started meeting and talking, you know, you find out how old you are, things like that. So we found out my birthday is, Jan is uh, July 7th, 1984. I was born in O'Connor Hospital in San Jose, California. Steph was born July 9th, 1984, in O'Connor Hospital in San Jose, California. So we talked about this, and we found out that I was born on a Saturday, and so my, my doctor, my pediatrician, wasn't there when I was born. And so they held me over a couple more days until Monday came and he could, you know, release my, me and my mom uh, from the hospital. So my wife and I were actually in the nursery together for about a day and a half, which is really, really exciting. And so then I have this horribly cheesy joke where, like, in the midst of that, I just I looked at her while we were in the, there and I'm just like, hey, baby, you know, it's, it's a bad joke, but, but I appreciate the laugh and I will receive that laugh regardless. So it's a, it's a very exciting uh, thing when we look at that, and I see the fact that the woman that I would love and spend my life with and I were wearing pink and blue beanies next to each other <laughs> in, in July of 1984, that I wonder, we just look at that, we say, man, I love it when a plan comes together. And, and I love it when we get to see God's plan come together. And I'm sure he looked down and was like, in 17 and a half years, y'all are going to meet, and it's going to be a good story. And so we just love it when a plan comes together. But if we're honest... If we're honest, there are times when the plan doesn't come together. We, we think that we have the best laid plans of mice and men, but they so often go awry. We look at these ideas and we think that this is the exact way it needs to be, and this is exactly how it's going to go, and we kind of think, that, okay, this is the plan. And sometimes we realize that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So sometimes our plans don't come to fruition the way we want, and that could lead to hurt or disappointment or frustration. But then there's other times. There are other times in which it feels like not only is a plan not coming together, it feels like God doesn't have a plan. It feels like that child that we prayed for for so, so long is now a prodigal and they haven't spoken to us and we wonder what happened. There's times when we think that we, we wanted a specific job in a specific area and, and we thought that everything was going to work out and then in the last minute it, it didn't. Or we get the phone call with a diagnosis that nobody wants to hear, and all of a sudden it's like, God, where is your plan? Where, where are you in the midst of this? Because we love it when we can see when a plan comes together, but so often there are times that there's this unseen plan, this thing that we don't quite know what God is up to. So what I want to do today is I just want to provide an encouragement for you. I just want to provide an encouragement out of uh, Genesis 
chapter 5, which is on page 8 in your Bibles, and just encourage you that if you are in the midst of this place where right now you feel like you're in darkness or discouragement, that the plan is not coming together, or you're even questioning if there is a plan, we want to hopefully provide a place or provide an opportunity for us to see what hope there may be when we trust in God and we see his unseen plan. So what we're going to do is as we get ready to do that, I'm going to provide a little bit of context first for Genesis 5. So Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he made all these things, and it was good. And then we see in Genesis 2 that, that you know, Adam and Eve were created in Genesis 1.27. He was made, they were made in the image of God. But then we see in Genesis 2 that, you know, Eve came from the rib of Adam. And we see that she was created very good. Then we see in Genesis 3 the fall of man. The fact that we listened to the serpent and Adam and Eve, they sinned, they fell short of the glory of God, and they were excommunicated from the Garden of Eden. And the idea that there was this beautiful communion and community with God who would just walk in the garden and Adam and Eve would know that and, and we were separated from that because of sin. Then we go to Genesis 4 and, and Cain kills Abel and then Lamech kills a man for wounding him. We see how very quickly it went from creation is good to Eve is very good to the fall to murder to genealogy of names in Genesis 5, and then to the flood in Genesis 6. So Genesis 5 is kind of in this very unique place in the Bible because it seems like the plan wasn't going to plan. And it seems like there was such a distance from where we were supposed to be and where we ended up in Genesis 6. And Genesis 5 helps guide us to that. But Genesis 5 is a passage we rarely study because genealogies are hard to study. There's a pattern that just says, this person was born, at this age, they had this child, they lived this many more years, they died. And then rinse, rinse rather and Pete, you know, they go back again. He was born, he had this many years, he, this is when he had his child, he lived this long, then he died. But we believe that all scripture is God-breathed, amen? So we recognize that in 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. There's a reason why genealogies are in, this, in the Bible. And there's a reason that maybe we could study it a little bit more this morning and see what the Lord has for us. So I'm just going to read five verses from Genesis 5 so we can establish the pattern. And then we'll dive into a little bit more together. So if you're with me on page 8 or in your own Bible, Genesis 5 verse 1 starts like this. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. Now, I could continue reading the rest of uh, Genesis 5 to you, but that's basically the pattern that has been established. So like I mentioned, it says he was here, he was this year's old when he had a son. After that many more years, he lived. Then he died. And it just goes through that for all 10 names that are listed in Genesis 5. And so it would be really easy for us to just recognize, okay, the, the reason Genesis 5 is there is just to bridge Adam from creation to Noah at the time of the flood. And let's just turn the page and let's read about the flood. But I think there's something in here for us that we would love to see the unseen plan that maybe God has in store. And so before we dive into that, um, my wife and I, uh, we have a photo, a family photo of us. Um, 
And so I almost wore that same maroon shirt because I wanted you guys to make sure you know which one I was in the photo. Um, and so that's my wife, Stephanie. Uh, our oldest is Shaylin. She's on my, sh on my arm on the left. She's six years old. Elise is two and a half over with Steph over there. And so we were really big when we, um, when we wanted to name our daughters, we really wanted them to, we wanted to think through the names and really uh, give names that would be uh, uplifting and would be um, uh, meaningful to them. And so what I want to do is take a few moments to show you the meaning of our different names. And so the first one is my name, John Paul. And so um, John means God is gracious. Paul means little. And so since I've not been known for my prodigious height throughout my life, I consider that just to mean that God is gracious to little people. Amen. And so... <laughs> Uh, my wife, Stephanie Joy. Stephanie means crowned or crowned one. Um, and, and she's absolutely phenomenal. You would be blessed to get to know her. She's an amazing, amazing woman. She's crowned in our lives. And she brings so much joy. And so we absolutely uh, are so blessed. The girls are so blessed to have her uh, as their mom. And I'm so blessed to have known her since the nursery. And uh, Shaylin Joy, the next name. Shaylin Joy, we kind of combine her name for Shaylin here. So Shay comes from this, this root word in Hebrew. It's like Shia, which means gift. Lynn is, is short for Linda, which means beautiful in Spanish. So we kind of combine that to mean beautiful gift. And then again, Joy, we wanted to pass down, like she gets my last name for several years of her life. Uh, we wanted to pass down the middle name so that she could have Steph's middle name for the, her whole life. Um, and so she's Shaylin Joy, a beautiful gift that brings so much joy. And then lastly, we have Elise DeVay. And Elise uh, means pledged to God or promised to God. And DeVay means beloved. So she's our beloved girl that, that's promised to God. And so we put a lot of thought into the names. In fact, we didn't tell anybody the names of our daughters until they were born. Because sometimes people would like give their own opinions. Like if you say the name, like, oh, it's so-and-so. They're like, oh, that's my ex-girlfriend's name. Like, I don't care. Like, that's my daughter's name. Don't try to ruin this for me. Um, and so it's one of those where we just kind of kept it, kept it between us. We prayed for them by name between the two of us. And not even grandparents got to know. So they were just as surprised as everyone else. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the meanings of names are vitally important. And, and there's studies that talk about the meaning of someone, a name, that Shayla, knowing that her name means beautiful gift, that that's going to uplift her. That Elise, knowing that she's our beloved girl who is uh, pledged to God, like that's an encouraging thing. So we wanted to do that. So let's take a few moments that on your handouts, I know there's a lot of blank spaces, um, and I just will fill them out. If I go a little too fast, trust me, by the end, you will get them all. So if it goes a little fast, don't worry about it. But... Uh, we're just going to start off of looking at the meanings of the different names in Genesis 5. And, and some, a lot of this research I owe to Chuck Missler, who looked, who looked this up and did a lot of work here. So this is not original with me, but I, I heard it, and I, and I think it's an encouragement for us. And so the first name we go through is Adam. Adam means mankind. We just saw this uh, in the verse itself, is that he named him Adam, and that, name, that meant mankind. And so uh, Adam means mankind. The next name is Seth. Seth means appointed. We see this found in Genesis 4.25. It's not on the screen, so you could just keep writing, but what Genesis 4.25 says is, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. So after the loss of, of Abel being murdered and Cain being banished, she had another son with Seth, and he was appointed to her. So Seth means appointed. Now, Enosh is the next name. That mean, name means mortal or incurable. This is the idea of like a mortal wound. This is the idea of like an incurable disease. It's a, it's a really not one of the top names that we were going to name our daughters. Um, 
But the root word for this is anash, which means incurable, as in a wound, as in a grief, as in a woe, a, sick, a sickness, or wickedness. So this is, a, this is a, a heavy name, a heavy name. So enosh means mortal or incurable. Next we go to Kenan, which means sorrow. He's probably so mad that his name was mortal that he's like, I'm going to name my son Sorrow. Um, but his name was Sorrow. And then the, the, the next one, it's number five in our name, is, is Mahalalel, which is a mouthful, but it's a beautiful name. Because if you know the word Bethel, means like house of God. Whenever you see El, uh, E-L at the end of a word, it often is referenced to Elohim in the, in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. And so El means God, but then Mahalal means blessed. So it means you combine them together, it's blessed God. So Mahalalel is blessed God. The next name is Jared. That mean, name means to shall come down from the, the Hebrew Yarad. And that's the idea. Of, it could be like a descending, a, a coming down of. So if I were to come down from the stage here, from the platform, it's, it's I shall come down. And the next one is Enoch. Enoch means teaching. So this is unique because Enoch was known as a prophet. Uh, he was known as a teacher. And we know how oftentimes names or numbers in the Bible have kind of a certain significance. So seven in the Bible is often a number that signifies perfection. So we look at Enoch and we say that he is the seventh from the line of Adam. And he's the only one out of all of them that did not actually die. We recognize that he just walked with God. As Genesis 5.24 says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So he's the only one that did not die. His name means teaching. Number eight is Methuselah. His name means his death shall bring. And so if you've heard that kind of old Bible study trivia line that says, Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived, but he died before his father did because he was 969 years old. And Enoch, because he never died, just walked with God and was no more. So Methuselah lived till, for 969 years and he died the year of the flood. So there's some scholars that believe the reason his name was his death shall bring is because it was the idea that his death shall bring the judgment and the flood of God. And that Enoch, as a prophet, named his son that. The next name, number nine, is Lamech, which means despairing. This is the idea of a lament or lamentations in the Bible. So Lamech just means despairing. And then lastly, Noah means rest or comfort. It means to bring relief or comfort. And just as seven, we just talked about the number of perfection, 10 can often mean a number of completion. And so if we look at all 10 of those names and we look at them all lined up, it shows that Noah is completing something, but what is it that he's completing? What is it that the number 10 signifies a completion in the Bible? And so what I wanna do is I'm gonna put this next slide up and I'm gonna leave it up for a few minutes so that we can read what these names mean together when we put them together. So if we see the slide, it says this, mankind is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Awesome. Mankind is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that the, his death shall bring the despairing rest. That we look at this and we see that Genesis 5, it could be really easy just to turn the page to Genesis 6, but in the midst of everything going on, in the midst of creation being good, and Adam and Eve, and, and there was a, hel a helper and a suitable helpmate, and they were good, very good together, and then the fall happens, and then murder happens, and then there's genealogy, and then there's the flood, that in the midst of this plan that seems like it wasn't going to plan, we see that God's plan was unseen 
but it was there all along. That in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that brokenness, he was telling us the plan of redemption and it was right in front of their faces. So we look at why Genesis 5 is important because through it, we see that no matter how difficult the season we are in, that if you are in a place this morning and maybe today you were just invited and, and you don't really even know if you believe or want to believe any of this stuff because there's a pain and a heartache in your life, a wound that has just been so heavy for you. And, and maybe today's a last-ditch effort. Maybe it's a last moment to, to hope that God would speak or hope that you would be able to connect with this God that so many people seem to believe in. That no matter what season we are in, that we can be hopeful, that there is a hope. And hope isn't just this wishful thinking, like if I say, hey, hope you have a nice day. Like, that's, that's nice, right? Or, or if someone's sick, say, I hope you feel better. That's kind of like a wishful thinking. But instead, hope and biblical hope is like, a prayerful trusting, a holding on to, to the fact that we are cleaving to God in the midst of this. So this is allowing us to have hope, to hold and to cleave on and to prayerfully trust that in the midst of darkness that God is moving. So we learn that through Genesis 5, no matter how difficult the season we're in, we can hold fast and cling to that hope that God has a plan that we're not seeing. Number two, we also, no matter how far we may be from God, as we've seen, Genesis 4 was murder. Genesis 6 is the flood. And in the midst of that here in Genesis 5, we see that God is still faithful to provide the sacrifice for our sin. And we see that in Genesis 3.21 when we look at the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned, that they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, but a, a, a calf had to be uh, slain because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness for sin. That it's only because we have fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the grace of God and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So we recognize that the only way that we will be able to experience eternal life, which isn't just going to heaven, but John 17, 3 talks about that eternal life is knowing God, knowing Jesus and the Father whom sent him. And so we see this idea that in the midst of even our darkest moments, God is faithful to provide an escape. And then lastly, while things didn't seem to be going to plan for mankind, his unseen plan for redemption was right in front of them. See, when I um, was in high school, junior high and high school, uh, I struggled a lot with depression, and, and I was suicidal for, for several years. And it was really tough to be able to um, try to make it through uh, different days, and, and I... I didn't know the Lord at the time. I didn't have a strong relationship with him. And so I didn't understand that there could be a plan, that there could be a hope, that there could be plans for prospering in a future and, and not to harm us. That Jeremiah 29, 11 was nothing in my mind at that time. But, and I would never wish uh, any of that upon anyone, of course. But I will say that God has used the most difficult times in my life to be an encouragement to people in difficult times in their own lives. That God doesn't waste a hurt, he doesn't waste a wound, he doesn't waste a pain. That the moments in which we feel our darkest, that he could still be moving and he'll eventually shine the brightest. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt in the midst of it. I'm not, I'm not de devaluing the darkness. But I take great hope from Psalm 139 when it talks about the idea that the psalmist cries out, where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go? Because if I go to the heights, you are there. If I descend into the depths, you are there. And he talks about how even if I were to try to hide in the darkness, you would see me because darkness is as light to you. 
So you can think about, maybe some of you are, can think back upon the darkest moments of your life, and maybe we look back and we say, oh, I see how God made that plan come together. Maybe some of you are in the midst of that darkness right now and you can't see anywhere but just where you're trapped. You can't see any way out. Let me be an encouragement. Let me literally pour courage into you, encourage you in this moment that there is a hope, that there is a peace, that there is a way in which our God, that many are the plans of man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And we recognize that God used the darkest moment of my life to sit across from a high school student when I was doing high school ministry for years. And I can say, you know, I don't know everything that you're going through, but I've been where you've been, and there's hope. And you're not alone in this. And there's a hope for you, and his name is Jesus. And so we see that our God is a God who's in the business of taking the darkest moments of our lives to be a light for other people because he took the darkest moment in all of history on a Friday on a hill called Golgotha and crucifixion. And through his death, we now see the light of light on Easter that he makes the darkest moment in all of history to be a light so that all of us can be saved that all of us can know him, that all of us can be in a relationship with him. And so if he's in the business of doing that to his very own son, why wouldn't he be able to do that in our lives as well? For we are children of God, as 1 John 3, 1 talks about, how lavish the love the Father has put upon us, that we may be called children of God. So this morning, when we look and we get ready for communion in just a couple moments, and we see that... Looking in Genesis 5, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the brokenness and the plan that just wasn't working out, we see that mankind was appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I feel like I can agree with John Hannibal Smith and say, I love it when a plan comes together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you are here in this place. Lord, we thank you that as we get ready to take communion in just a few moments, Lord, that we can take that bread that represents the body of Jesus that was battered and broken and bruised and torn, and we can take that cup that represents his blood that was poured out, that washes us clean so that our sins will be taken as far as the east is from the west. And we recognize that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that while we were far from God and enemies of him, of you, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that we may have eternal life. And so we know, Lord, that as we take the bread and the cup, that our own righteousness is as filthy rags, but we praise you that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, I pray for every person that is in here this morning that is struggling, that is in darkness, that is feeling like the plan is, is just completely, utterly lost, or, or maybe we don't know what, uh, what we're doing. But, God, we thank you that you do, that your ways are above our ways, your thoughts are above our thoughts, and that we can one day look back. And even when things are unseen now, we can one day look back and see and proclaim and praise to you that we love it when God's plan comes together. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as we take communion this morning, if you're brand new here or and if, if you're a believer and you've been coming for uh, either for the very first time or, or whether you've been coming here for years and you're a member, uh, which encourage you to, to take the cup that represents his body that was broken. Take the cup that, rep uh, take the, the cup that represents his blood that was uh, spread for us. You, and um, in this moment, just feel free to partake of that.
And as you do, just take a moment to, to remember that mankind was appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching, and his death has already brought we who have been despairing and far from him at one point in our lives. He has already brought us true rest, relief, and comfort. And let us commune with him in praise and adoration for that moment. and never runs out. We're so uh, honored and thank thankful that you, you love us and that you sustain us, that you have a plan for each of us, Lord. You don't leave us to our, on our own. In your name we pray, amen. And isn't it good to know that even when it seems like maybe the plan isn't working, there is the unseen plan at work. Uh, we're ending just a few minutes early so that you can talk with JP and Stephanie out on the patio. In fact, I'm going to send them out that door right now, but I know you've never noticed that that's a side door that I sneak out of, so <laughs> you wonder how I get back there so fast, so now you know the secret. Um, and also, uh, I want to remind you that in about 10 minutes from now, maybe 15 minutes from now, we're going to have a short congregational meeting. It's not just for our members, if you want information about uh, what's ahead, then you're welcome to attend. If you can't come, then uh, Chuck in the back has, and Art, I think, have ballots that you can fill out. It does ask if you are a member, but even if you aren't, we are interested in your opinion. So if you can't stay, you can grab one of those ballots and leave it with those two men. Yesterday, I was playing with my grandsons, playing catch and football and a couple other fun things, and um, one of them said, now, Grandpa, why do you have to quit your job? Hadn't really thought of it from the kid's perspective. I said, well, because God has some other jobs for me. Like what? Well, one of them is spending more time with you. Oh. <laughs> There's some other things, too, that I think he has in store for me. I'm going to do a lot more reading. And uh, I'm going to put my hand to some writing. Also, there's some uh, home repairs and stuff that really need to be done. And I have a few travel plans. But we're here, we love you, we love this place. We just know that God has a plan for moving us ahead. And I pray that as you go today, you walk knowing that he is guiding your steps for his glory and his goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.